0: Welcome to GodPod. This is a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre, based in St Melitia's College, which is a community of people studying and teaching Christian theology here in the UK and around the world. Graham Tomlin, Mike Lloyd and the occasional guest join me, Jane Williams, in discussing God, Life, Theology, in fact, just about anything
1: Well, welcome everybody to yet another episode of God Godpod. It is very good to be back with your very favourite podcast, um, your very favourite theological podcast.
2: Well, we don't actually know that, do we, Graham? They, it may be their sense of purgatory that's drawn them here, rather than a sense of theological stimulation.
0: That's the great advantage of, of of being able to make up our own view of these things. We we will ascribe this
2: yes. uh, to their love of. Theological God Pods. If this isn't your favourite podcast, switch off
1: now. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> Stay with us, even if it isn't your favourite podcast. We may be your third favourite podcast or your fifth favourite podcast, but hopefully you can still listen to the end of it. And um, anyway, uh, it's as you can probably hear from the voices already, we have um, our home teams, myself, Graeme Tomlin. We have uh, Michael Lloyd. Hi, hi Graeme. And Jane Williams. Hello. And uh, it's always good to be together for another episode of GodPod. So today we are uh, going to, we don't have any guests today, we just have ourselves and um, uh, we are going to have our usual conversation over theological matters this time we are going to uh, tackle one or two issues that have been emailed in from uh, various listeners and just a reminder that you can do that um, uh, by emailing us in. Um, and I should really know what the email address is you're meant to kind of email to, but maybe someone can let me know. Uh, maybe Jessica, who's our wonderful kind of um, producer, uh, can l- remind me of that before the end of the GodPod on the chat function of Zoom here, so we can... Uh, there it is, godpod at htp.org.uk. So if you have a question, just use that, and uh, so godpod at htp.org.uk, and uh, send in a question, and we'll see what we can do to answer it.
2: Uh, Jessica, un- unlike Samantha on... Um, some radio quiz show does actually exist.
1: She does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sadly, she doesn't get much of a a voice on this, but she does definitely exist. So um, anyway, we should should say... Yeah, we should say thanks to Jessica for the great work she does in making this happen. But um, anyway, to our uh, discussion today. And um, this is a question from um, from Mike, uh, who asks... This it says, uh, I've recently started listening to your podcast and would love you to discuss a question I've often heard raised but never quite sure how to respond to. The question is this, if God wants us to know him and chooses to reveal himself to us, why does he do this so thinly today? In other words, why would God guide us in vague pictures and odd dreams or a slight sense of calling as opposed to audible voices and plain visions? Of course some have encountered this kind of clarity including those who met him in the flesh but most people spend their lives not knowing God at all. Why wouldn't God clearly unquestionably make himself known to them in the way he did to St Paul for example, instead of allowing people perhaps to perish as they somewhat unknowingly reject him? So there's a question, why doesn't God make himself a bit more obvious? Um, If it was you or me we might be sort of shouting and trying to grab attention so uh what about this question of why does God make him, not make himself a bit more obvious than he does seem to if he really is there at all?:
2: I think I think the part, part of the problem here is um, uh, the brokenness of communication. Uh, we our we work has cut itself off from God, and therefore communication is damaged by that. relationship is damaged, communication is damaged, revelation does not straightforwardly get through just because god wants it to because we've distanced ourselves and fragmented it um, there's the wonderful extraordinary passage in, in daniel 10 where uh, daniel is praying uh, angel arrives and says i'm sorry i'm like i got held up i got opposed on the route by the, the prince of persia and there's a sense in which that which god wants to get through uh, that is not an unopposed or Uh, easy process and therefore what we receive is not always as much as God would like to give Mm. Uh, you get Gerald Manley Hopkins in um, his famous poem uh, the world is charged with the grandeur of God saying all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil, there's a sense in which creation is made to shine with the grandeur of god but actually it's got a film over it that stops it from doing that to the extent that it should and it only happens ambiguously partially and and fitfully Um, and we need to learn to both to absorb those moments when they're there but also to live by faith and not by sight when they're not Mm. That's my my starter for ten.
0: And so my um, I mean, building on on that, I think the other thing is um, that for very good reasons, each of us would like um, God to come and pay attention to us. Um, so I, I would like God to make things clear to me because um, otherwise, uh, God's not doing God's job. And I know this is not what Mike's saying. I'm not putting words into Mike's mouth. But the thing is, um, I mean, uh, two things. One is that God is extraordinarily um, courteous to us, I think, um, in that if if God really revealed God's self um, unmistakably, there would be no choice about believing in God. Um, it wouldn't be a relational um, uh we wouldn't be entering into a relationship with God. We would have, we would have to believe, and it's 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 fascinating, isn't it, that even um, you know something earth shattering like the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, only a few people see that, that world changing event. So it seems to be part of um, God's graciousness to our freedom, really, um, that that it is possible to be in the presence of God, um, and and. And still overlook that. And then the other, the other thing, which is in a sort of different direction, is that actually God does leave all kinds of things that we as community and as people um, have to attest to God's presence and action with us. We have Scripture. Um, uh, we have sacraments. We have worship. We have um, practices of, of, of community together that do reveal God's nature and Purpose to us. It's just that because they're not personal, they're not you know direct to me. Um, it doesn't feel like uh, the the these the speaking and and action of, of God in in the way that we perhaps would like.
2: I I think that that is very important, Jane. We do intend expect God to come come straight. But, but I wonder about the point about if God revealed himself fully to us, we would have no choice. Um, and I'm wondering about that because it suggests a God who is overpowering. Um, and maybe he, he isn't overpowering. Maybe his full presence allows freedom rather than he has to be not fully present in order for us to be free. Mm. And, and I wonder whether... I think I re- think of that for two reasons. One is because we will see face-to-face and still presumably be free. And and secondly, uh, if if one takes at a certain amount of face value the fall of the angels, then something happened there in the full presence of God, but they seemed free to reject it.
1: So I I wonder. I suppose I I think, um, I guess it is what kind of relationship does God want with us? And um, again, I reflect on, you know, that that faith, if faith is the kind of God relationship God wants with us, which is another word for faith, of course, is trust. Then trust is not the same as kind of forcing yourself upon someone. And uh, faith, if faith is, is, is trust, that's the kind of relationship God wants with us, which actually when we think about it is, the best of human relationships are the ones where you absolutely trust the other person you know if you you don't trust the other person it's not a good relationship if you do trust them it's a good one or anything else faith faith is if you like the kind of foundation of any healthy relationship and it seems to me that's what god requires with us that's what he wants for us and that if you like inevitably sort of rules out the kind of thing jane is talking about where we have no choice in this um because there's an element of, you know, if, if that is what God wants, he, he wants a relationship with, with a faith where we place our trust in him. Um, there's that, that. It's not that sort of faith is a sort of secondary, you know, knowledge would be better, but we've only got faith, so we've got to stick with faith sort of thing. Faith is actually uh, what is desired in all this. Um, so I suppose that's, that's one point on it. I mean, I, wonder, I mean, going back to your earlier point, Mike, about, you know, our ability to receive God's, messages and and voice to us but I suppose the image that comes to mind is a it's like it's like a radio when you're trying to tune into a particular radio station and you sort of twiddle the dial a little bit and you don't quite get it right and you're sort of you're nearly there but you sort of hear sort of vague sort of sounds of the voice and um uh, but there's a lot of interference and you can't quite pick it up you get the occasion a little bit and it's a it's a little bit like that sometimes with our um uh, hearing of God's voice or receiving of His His revelation, and the problem is not that the the signal is somehow dodgy, because you know when you're trying to get a radio station, the signal is coming out from the radio station wherever it is. There's nothing wrong with the signal. The problem is is the the, the receiving ability, and if you like, it's it's the the fact that the radio is actually not tuned to the right frequency. And it strikes me that that's largely our our, our problem is not so much that. The communication is not clear it's just that our ability to receive it uh, is not quite what it should be which is why you know I think uh, a lot of you know theologians will say that for example you know holiness is somehow vital for the knowledge of God it's not just a sort of intellectual exercise that, that getting to the right frequency is not just about you know knowing certain things it's something to do with holiness of life that only with Holiness, can you can you see the Lord? That's the sort of language that's used, and one of the reasons what, why we we don't hear it clearly is a sort of moral issue as mu- and a spiritual issue as much as it is an intellectual one.
0: And and then I suppose part of of of, of the holiness is that um, there is then you don't have to have necessarily special revelations of God so um that that kind of level of holiness where actually the presence of god is is uh, is visible in in the really ordinary um because it's it is equally possible i mean paul seems to have done a good job with the vision that he was given um and stuck with it and that kind of thing but um there are a lot i mean lots of people saw the miracles that jesus did um and didn't Necessarily connect that with the presence and action of God, or at least not in any life-changing kind of way. Um, so it is perfectly possible um, that uh, there are all kinds of encounters with God that that we just sort of take for granted, or um, or, or we want another one. You know that one that one's not enough. We want um, a, 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 and uh, so there, the the question of what counts as um, a a, a an encounter with god a clear encounter with god is a really interesting one isn't
2: it it is and i think um i think it's not Graham's point is really important about the holiness of, of the receiver if you like but there's also the corporate nature um that we, actually an individual receiver is is quite a rare thing and an unusual thing and a slightly abnormal thing it's from the depths and the heights and lengths and breadth of of, of of the love of God. Uh, so, in a sense, an individual, too much individual communication for God might stop that corporate reception from taking place.
1: I think I suppose it, I think it's a really good question, a really interesting question. Yeah. I suppose if I had one sort of caveat on the question, it's it's the, the, the phrase where it says, um, as some have encountered this kind of clarity, including those who met him in the flesh, uh, but, of course, an awful lot of people who met Jesus Christ in the flesh did not recognize that they were talking to the Son of God. Um, they thought they were just talking to another rabbi in the first century. Most people actually missed it. Um, only some sort of saw what was really going on. Uh, now, in one sense, you can't think of a clearer communication of the nature and the character and the beauty and goodness of God than Jesus Christ. But even then, it was possible to miss it entirely. It be very possible to miss it entirely. And um, and if that's true of that, the the clearest revelation of God that we've ever been given, maybe that's true of all the other revelations of God. And and I suppose I often think that um, real saints, holy people that that I've known, somehow are are able to sort of see almost everything around them as a gift from God. Uh, So, you know, the tree in my garden um, is not just a tree in my garden. It's a gift from God in this moment as I look at it to me um then it becomes something very different from just a tree it is a communication of God to me through his gift of the of this world that I live in now that's it again the problem is not the communication it's my ability to receive it my you know blockheadedness that looks at it and think oh it's just a tree um what needs to happen in my my mind is a kind of revolution of vision to be able to see aha, this is not just a tree, this is something that breathes the glory of God and is a gift to me in this moment.
0: But there is also um, a pastoral question behind um, what's being asked here, isn't there, that um, it doesn't seem then fair uh, that some people um, apparently are able to to grasp that reality of God and, and others aren't. And, <laughs> and the way we're responding to it does sort of make it... Um, a virtue on our part if we have managed to respond to God and a vice on the part of those uh, who have um, stupidly missed it um, and and again I think um, I don't think that will quite do will it
2: no, no I think that's right and <clears throat> I remember when I went through a a year, a year plus of kind of depression and doubt I was almost psychologically incapable of believing not quite but almost and it made me very sensitive to that issue that there are people who for reasons not theirs are find find it almost impossible to to believe to hear to see any of this and and i think all i can say I, i don't think it is um their fault, I think, is the fault of people who have hurt them, people who have not shone God, allowed God to shine through them at this person. And and I just think God will take all that into account.
1: Um, Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think, you know, we're getting into the sort of mysteries of divine providence and revelation and the gift of the spirit and all of that uh, that's here. And, uh, you know, when we start getting into that kind of territory, we are into some sort of very mysterious sort of place as well. I think the other thing I'd say on it is um, I wonder whether it's always the process of coming to recognise God's revelation is, is as important as the, re- the the recognition of it of it itself. And that that often it's a kind of, it's a sort of, journey or a process we go through but it's part of our sort of spiritual growth that ability to recognize the voice of of god when we hear it And i think of a maybe a child growing up you know um a child by hearing you know his mother's voice repeatedly day after day after day gradually learns to recognize that voice among all the other voices it hears and so that you know when he gets lost in the supermarket he Can sort of pick out his mum's voice across the aisle and find her again because he's sort of learnt to recognize the voice over time after I've been listening it for long, long periods and so on. And I, and I suppose that's that's partly why, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I, I wonder why this is this is also part of the, the picture as well. That, um, if the kind of relationship God wants with us is that deep relationship of, of trust and intimacy, um, that. It's maybe why he doesn't shout at us and command our attention he wants us to learn to recognize his voice over time which comes as, brings us back to the importance of just the regular reading of scripture for example and the day after day coming back reading the text of scripture tr- you know listening to the the voice of of God in scripture and just so that not just so that you just recognize the voice of God in scripture but also so you can recognize the voice of God elsewhere you know and um, so there are sort of certain disciplines, it seems to me, that that can in, can can encourage and enable this kind of listening, this discernment of the voice of God. But actually it may be part of the point. The point of God is that he the point of this way of revealing himself is precisely that he wants to kind of entice us, draw us into a relationship of faith and trust. Um rather than any other kind of relationship.
0: But it's equally um, I mean, I I think that's absolutely right, but I think it's equally important to say that um our ability to respond and grow and learn to hear that voice and trust it, it is is doesn't affect what God feels about us. So, um, yeah. uh, the, the the sort of reality of God's um, uh, commitment to us yes. and um, uh, and what you know that God has come to find us um, uh, and is you know is for us, all of that is independent. Oh. um of of what we feel or think we know or or, or do and don't apprehend and oh. so on oh. so we don't affect god's commitment to us oh. by our inability to understand or engage with it yeah. oh. while we were still sinners christ died for us yeah
1: yes. I, I guess there's i mean there's some um discussion of disciplines and uh, so it maybe leads us on to another question which um, has been um, sent our way by a listener to Godpod Pod and Actually, um,
2: just before we do Graham can I just say that that, that I get that the person who sent in that first question um, is, is curious as a church that I was curate at once so I'm, I apologise Mike you're having to pick up all the pastoral pieces from, <laughs> from 30 years ago um, and, and good luck with it. I'm
0: glad to hear the church is still standing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I should it's expect surprise, nothing else. But surprise.
1: I presume there's a blue plaque on the wall saying Michael Lloyd was once here. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, thank you, Mike, for that question. I guess the, the other question that to relates to, to this is um, someone's put in a, a question which says this, we seem to have seen a return of secular spiritual disciplines in lockdown. Uh, get outside, practice mindfulness, serve your community, uh, and so on. And there's been a lot of talk, you know, how do you manage um, lockdown, you know, what are the disciplines you need to get to get through it and sort of, you know, secular things like that. And and I guess the question is, how can the gospel speak into this? You know, does Christian faith say anything to do with the, the spiritual disciplines that we need to exercise, especially as we go through the various stages of the pandemic that we're in? Uh, right now as we're recording this this god pod and that there may be spiritual disciplines related to hearing and discerning the voice of god and maybe other things so um any thoughts on that one
2: well i think this is in a sense this is an intensification of what is always the case uh, there's a lot of good things that one ought to do we know we ought to do that we've learnt through human interaction, through scientific advance, uh, we know that we ought to eat our greens, and that you know exercise is, is important, and a good night's sleep is important. And um, so, there's there's lots of kind of good advice structures out there, um, which are good, and they're helpful, and they're true, and we ought to be doing these things. And um, so, in a sense, it is a particular version of what is always the case. Um, The question is, it it, it doesn't actually shift the questions, the big questions of what this life that we are trying to get through and survive through is for. It doesn't ask any questions about whether there's any uh, cure for the the ailments that we're currently suffering from, like mortality. It doesn't actually give meaning. Going for a walk outside, it, it helps connect you to something bigger, but, but how much bigger is there to be connected to? Those questions I think all still remain, really.
1: Yeah, one of the one of the things I've been um pondering during during the time of, of pandemic is that it? it's I mean it is a I think the word that comes to me is disorientation. We're going through a very disorientating time when a lot of the the regular rhythms of, of life have been taken away, You know, like going to work in the morning or um, you know, going out with friends or going to the cinema or going to the theatre or going to watch a football match. or All those are going kind to of normal things that we do, meeting up with other um, families and so on, going on holiday to different places, flying around the world. It all, they're just not there any longer. And so it, it all feels a little bit unfamiliar and disorientating. And what do you do at a time of disorientation? Well, you have to you know, go back to the things that really, really matter thing the fixed points that are you know crucial for us and I suppose I've been going back to that statement of Jesus when asked the question of what is the greatest commandment and to love the, your neighbour, the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself uh, and almost taking that as a kind of you know three stage level of spiritual discipline um that needs to be exercised and, and you know starting with with loving God um I to your point, Mike, about a broader horizon than just what's in, in, front, in front of you. And of course, the reason we're called to love God is not because God needs us, but we, we, not because God needs us to love him, but we need to love God. The reason we worship God is not because God demands or needs our worship. Um, but we need to worship God we need to be reminded day after day of God's love and grace and compassion especially during a time of of sort of anxiety and fear like we're going through at at the moment so just that regular discipline of every day um again the reading of scripture the saying of our prayers going to the Eucharist going to the places where we, we we know where uh you know we will meet with God and hear from him in some way however good we are listening to it or not um that seems to be a crucial part of the discipline you know then you know loving your neighbor as yourself you know there's that assumption that there's a sort of proper self care uh, within that that we that we do need to you know that looking after ourselves is not just a secular thing uh, that's something that is um that is part of our spiritual lives making sure we've got enough food to eat that we eat well we get exercise we um sort of manage our own health well but then we go beyond that and that's not enough you know and you can get very sort of isolated in lockdown lockdown is a kind of world where our lives have been shrunk you know into our four walls and you know viewing our neighbors as threats because they might sort of you know contaminate us with the disease and it sort of turned us in upon ourselves which is why that language of you know loving your neighbour as yourself, those things that I do for myself, I make sure I've got shelter, that I've got food, I've got friends, I've got the things that I enjoy in life. Those things. I'm as equally committed to making sure my neighbour has those things, that they also have shelter and food and friendship and the, the, the things that make, make life worthwhile, as I am for myself as well. And therefore thinking, OK, who is my neighbour in the pandemic? Is it the person who lives next to me? Is it the person I used to work with? at the next door desk is it the person I'm on a zoom call with every day you know how do I love my neighbor as myself And just those three simple disciplines loving God loving yourself loving your neighbor it is and you know, I think it's a very simple sort of Christian way of doing a doing a sort of disciplined path pathway through the pandemic so I guess that's my Sort of version, if you like, of this approach, the spiritual disciplines of lockdown.
0: But it, I mean, I'm I am struck by Mike's point about purpose because it makes you realise how much um, our our normal uh, busy lives mask us from asking that question. What's what's the point? You know, mm. the, it it's it's the point is um, seems clear because I've got another thing to do. I've got another meal to go. It, it, we we don't stop and ask that. And again, this is really forcing us to think. If we're not going to get back to a life a, the previous kind of life, it, is there still a life that is worth living? And if so, um what is its purpose? You know, and 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 those disciplines, Graham, um reorientate us around what we're for. We are for this relationship with God that draws us into relationship with each other, and that gives us that um that value that is held by God's love for us and not anywhere else. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and so the two really relate, don't they? The disciplines um, enable us to see our yep. purpose mm-hmm. to,
1: um
0: our purpose. Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I, I suspect that, uh, you know, I mean, not, we've gone over this before, we, we don't believe for a moment that God sent the coronavirus on us at all. But when a crisis like this happens, when we are disorientated in the way that we are right now, that's not totally you know, meaning it's not totally something something that we um we have to go oh, let's get back to normal. You the point in some way that the thing to be gained from disorientation is a new orientation. Um where are we going to be orientated in the future if we're disorientated at the moment? Our normal patterns are are, are absent. What is the new direction that we're going to go in when we come out of this in whatever form that might be? And so therefore, one of, the, one of the, you know, I think there is a real call for us sort of for us this to possibly be a period of almost like a retreat. I mean, for some people it is. I mean, I think there's been a divide between those people whose lives have got more busy and those who've got less busy as a result of all of this. But even for those of us who, who, for whom life has got more busy, that's especially a call to, okay, to go back to do that, back to first principles. Okay, what is what is my life about? What is my purpose? What is God calling me to And that is a really important question to take time out, to think, to ponder, uh, to question in a way that we might not have done if 2020 had been just a normal year like all the others. I
2: know we're recording this um, the weekend before the clocks go back and uh, somebody's recently said that they don't want to put their clock back because they don't want another hour of this year. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that the busyness thing is is an important one because... Personally, I'm somebody for whom it's become a whole lot more busy because we've had coronavirus to do as well as all the other Arabic um organization. But but whether it's more busy or less busy, there's still whatever one is doing, doing what Brother Lawrence called the, the practice of the presence of God. Right. Um, in and through, in his case, chopping vegetables in the monastic kitchen, right. or in my case, doing Zoom calls. Uh, and admin and teaching and all the rest. Right? God pods. God pods. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, it, it's it's what whether those things become transparent and porous to the presence. Of God. Yeah. yeah. And and, uh, and to, uh,
0: sorry, Mike. Yeah. And then oh, no. yeah. and then also, therefore, whether we can um, al- allow ourselves to be satisfied with them. So, are we actually willing to to let go of some of the things that we thought were essential in 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 the, the pre-COVID years? Um, are we actually um, willing to to reorientate ourselves around the practices that Graham has been suggesting, then, and, and realise that actually they are what make life satisfying? Um, and the the constant need for for more and more stuff and more and more things and more and more experiences that we thought was a necessary part of our lives. Those of us who were, you know, had that luxury pre-COVID, because of course that's only that's still only a very small proportion of the world. Um, are, are, are we actually being um, given this real opportunity to to, um, to to find out what is really satisfying? In life, what are the things that really um, matter?
1: And, and then what maybe what this time is doing is, if you like, to go back to the image of the radio, it is retuning us. Mm-hmm. Uh, because actually, maybe what we need, and again, this is related to the original question we had, is not not for God to speak l- more loudly, to shout at us so we hear Him. It's that 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 our own sort of spiritual um, and. and moral vision is just retune just that little bit so that for example what you know what i need is not some great um I mean, it's wonderful when great miracles do happen and when you hear a very distinct sense of the voice of god but maybe that's not made primarily what i what i need it's that sh- it's that shift of vision that enables me to look at the tree outside my garden and think that is a great gift from god to me and it's that transformation rather than just a tree um, and it, it changes nature into into not just a sort of ab, you know sort of abstract thing out there, but but into a gift. And that kind of vision, if I were to go through each day with that kind of vision, seeing in the ordinary things uh, the presence and the the gift of God, to me, that is the kind of revolution that this virus could bring about in us.
2: I, I think that's right. There is there also, just like there was with the first question, a, a kind of pastoral dimension to this as, as well. Well, I mean, all this is pastoral, but but in some of the things that we can't do, some of the things that have been taken away from us are actually are the life-giving things. Are the things that we need are physical contact um, with with people we love, and and, and there is a, a sense of loss there that that however much one is practicing the presence of God, it doesn't take away the loss um entirely. And, and there's a there's a proper grief and a proper lament, I think, yep. that's part of of a proper response to to what is not a good situation. And particularly when you add the loss of people that one loves in, in, in some situations, uh, for some of us that's you know, grief is the appropriate response to that. Yep.
0: It's really been making me think every day, though, about people who, for the last um, you know, however many years, have woken up in fear and hunger and mm. uh, poverty and um, bereavement. Uh, it's made me think, particularly perhaps, about refugees and um, uh, and and the the sense that um, of entitlement that we have often had. So many of us that. This shouldn't that the world shouldn't be like this for us, but we've put up with the world being like this for other people yeah. for for decades. and again, I think that's a real challenge um, if if this is uh, now that we have been forced to experience some of this sense of uh, of yeah. loss and curtailment, and we don't like it. <laughs> um, yeah. what will we do going forward um about those for whom this has been a? a daily mm. expectation.
2: And, and loneliness would be another one of those, the isolation of,
1: yeah. of loneliness. Yeah. Well, that's a its a good note to end on. We get to the end of our, our time. Um, uh, these are extraordinary times we're, we're living through through the pandemic and we're trying to piece together uh, the wisdom that can be gained from it at the same time as lamenting and grieving over what's been lost or people have been lost during this time. Uh, and yet seeking to, to see and to hear um, the hand and the voice of God in it, which is why the question was a really helpful one going to just begin to help us to explore uh, how God reveals and speaks his presence and word to us particularly during the time that we're living in right now so uh, as always mike and jane it's always good fun to um talk together and um illuminating i always learn from our conversations i don't know about you you probably know it already it's strangely <laughs> enough i do yes <laughs> exactly I, I always feel slightly wiser at the end of one of these conversations <laughs> than i did at the beginning i hope that's true for you listening uh, uh,
2: As well. always for them listening i thought you were asking us so it, it, it is for me but then there's Plenty of room
1: for that. (laughs) Exactly. So, thank you again for listening to Godpod, and um, I'm sure we'll be back with another episode before long. So, goodbye from me. And from from me, Michael. And also from me, Jane.
0: That was Godpod, a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org. We can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try.